You're listening to Messy Jesus Business, a podcast about radical gospel living. Hi, I'm Sister Sarah Hennessy, and Sister Julia, I think I may have been your first podcast guest. We were just checking out to make sure the equipment worked, and we had a fabulous conversation, and it has completely blown my mind how far and beautiful all these conversations have been. It's a joy to listen to them. Hi, Julia. This is your dad. I love your podcast, and listening to it brings me much joy. Hello and welcome to this very special 50th episode of Messy Jesus Business Podcast. I'm Cherish Badzinski, and I have the distinct pleasure and honor of being the first to hear every episode of Messy Jesus Business. That's because I do the editing. I am the proverbial rascal in the castle. So today, in honor of this milestone 50th episode, we're getting messy and throwing out our usual format. Instead, you'll hear from podcast listeners about what Messy Jesus Business means to them, as well as special messages from past guests. We're shaking things up further by putting Sister Julia herself in the hot seat as guest. Thank you for sharing this celebration with us, and thank you for tuning into every episode. You make this work possible and worthwhile. And now, as Sister Julia herself would say, on to our guest. Sister Julia, welcome to Messy Jesus Business. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) That doesn't even make sense. (laughs) So obviously, we're turning the tables today, and you get to answer some questions for all of your listeners who adore your program and want to know you a little bit better. Mm, thank you, Cherish, for stepping into the seat that I usually am in. And this it's, is a, a silly idea to feature me, but <laughs> I'll roll with it. <laughs> it's such a joy. I've known you for years and years from way back when I worked part-time with the Franciscan sisters in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Mm. And so it's a joy to get to interview you, knowing you as the person you are. I like to liken personal growth to Sharpay puppies. You know Sharpay? No. They're- <laughs> they are those really wrinkly puppies that look like they were issued a suit that's far too big for their body. So in my mind, we all have this skin that we're meant to grow into. Hmm. And it takes courage, right? It takes Hmm. courage to grow into the person that you're meant to become. So you're a sister and a writer and a podcast host and so much more. Do you think you've fully grown into your skin yet? And And how did you summon the bravery to become Sister Julia Walsh? 
all of us are in this journey of unfolding and discovering who we are as we go along, right? And yeah. as we say yes, and we live out our yeses, we live out our commitments. When I committed to becoming a Franciscan sister, and, when, and then when I made vows, and then I made final vows, I was saying yes to this great adventure of like whatever God wanted me to do, and however I was meant to serve, and however I was meant to live a life in community and live this the gospel in this radical way, I was saying yes to it. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. At the same time, like there's been sort of this deep listening along the way. And I feel like I keep kind of having these moments where I keep looking around and I'm like, oh, oh, look at this. This is amazing and beautiful. And and just kind of trying to pause and take it all in. And each time I get to do that, it feels like an arrival. And it does feel like the skin is fitting fine. (laughs) And I also don't think that the adventure of growth and discovery and exploration will ever come to an end. I expect even after death, there's going to be more adventures. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow along the way, I was really graced with this courage to say yes to the adventure of gospel living. And I don't know really where that came from and why I'm willing to take all these wild risks. My best guess (laughs) is this is, this is sort of the spark that Christ ignited in me when I was a child. And I fell in love with Jesus really early on in life. And have had a desire ever since to, to love God the best I can and to say yes to God's love the best I can. And I know that as an adventure that requires a lot of surrender and it requires a lot of acceptance of like, oh, this is something I can do. And even though it's a little uncomfortable or sometimes extremely uncomfortable, (laughs) I can see that for the greater good and for God's glory, if I say yes to this, podcasting, writing, sharing my poetry with others, all that stuff that at times feels really awkward is is actually helpful to others. And it is a way that God asked me to show up. And I see how it bears fruit and it's helpful to others in the same sort of way that it's helpful for me when I hear people tell their stories. So I try to say yes to it the best I can. Yeah. yeah. And I think that helps me to gain the courage for the next yes and the next yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So as you grow into your skin, it becomes easier to keep growing. Or something. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just... will say there's a lot of growing pains, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and stretch marks and bruises. Yeah. <laughs> And I bump into myself and other things. And yeah, I don't think I'll ever stop being awkward or uncomfortable or, or making messes Mm. (laughs) as Mm. I go. And I think that's part of it too, is like embracing my imperfections and allowing them and recognizing that that's that's actually part of the human journey and experience. And to try to be something other than I'm not is not helpful to me or anybody. (laughs) Mm, I love that. Well said. Where did the name Messy Jesus Business come from? And why was it important to you to acknowledge and better understand the messiness of Jesus Business? Funny story. 
after I made my first vows, my first full-time ministry was teaching high school. And I was also a service learning coordinator at a at a high school that was outside of my culture, outside of my comfort zone, (laughs) outside of everything that I was familiar to. And I loved it. And it was really meaningful work for me. During that time, I was struggling with the adjustment and what a a teacher should be would haunt me and at times smother me and my creativity. And I felt a lot of shame because I wasn't living up to some sort of ideal of what, how a perfect high school classroom functioned or teacher functioned and, and how to do the things well um, to, and to how to minister well. And I got really frustrated <laughs> with how my classroom was always messy, <laughs> even though I would like clean it every day. At the same time, I was starting to feel this call. I think it is probably a a way to process what I was experiencing ministry to do some writing. And I was starting to discern with sisters in my community and with others, whether I was called to start a blog or like what I was meant to do. And then I was brainstorming titles for this blog. And I remember with a friend, I started up this like a document where I had just put, I don't know, 50 possible titles for this blog on the on the document. And, and then I emailed her to her and I was, you know, asking her for her input. I knew I wanted it to be the blog to be centered on exploring the struggle, the tension, how being faithful to Jesus is not gonna, you're not entering into this zone of like, everything's perfect and hunky-dory now. Right. And so I knew that was like the general thing that I wanted to explore. And then I had a dream (laughs) and in the dream, the title messy Jesus business came to me and I woke up that morning. I was like, Oh, that's it. That's the title. Oh, I love that story. So you had the messy Jesus business blog for years and years and eventually expanded that into the podcast realm. Why was expanding into the podcast space important to you? Even before the murder of George Floyd in 2020, earlier on in that year, I was in my prayer life really thinking about how do I share my platform and and amplify other people's voices? And I was aware that I am so fortunate to have so many amazing friends (laughs) that are so wise and brilliant. And to get them to write a little blog piece was unlikely, but I don't know. I would kept having these fun conversations with folks and, and, while I was having them, I would have this sense of like, oh, this is juicy. And other people would be interested in this too. Too bad I don't have a microphone right now and I'm not recording this. So that was kind of like an inspiration that had happened earlier. And then in my prayer, I wanted to amplify people's voices. And, and I got very curious about whether podcasting would be a way to do that. And I realized I could merge it with, with the blog. And it was a way to also like re-energize me because I felt like there was still something worth sharing and creating and offering to the audience through Messy Jesus Business, the blog, but to enhance it with the podcast would increase the momentum or something for, for other people to take in. Past guests of Messy Jesus Business have included authors, activists, thought leaders, and members of religious communities. Some of them wanted to surprise Sister Julia with messages for her milestone. 
Hi there, this is Heidi Haverkamp, part-time hermit and author, and I wanted to say congratulations to Sister Julia on the 50th episode of your wonderful podcast and all the wonderful ways that you bring faith and the lives and amazing work of so many people to us in Messy Jesus business. Can't wait for 50 more. Happy 50th episode of Messy Jesus Business, Sister Julia. I'm so happy for you. It is your friend, Jennifer Grant, and I just want to say your good work is inclusive and it's open, it's vulnerable, and I love the way you're talking about creating art, engaging spiritually and in our communities, and honestly, I love your podcast because you're just good company and and you're fun. So happy 50th episode and congratulations from me. Hi, I'm Kaya Oaks. I'm a writer and I teach writing at UC Berkeley. And I was very happy to sit down and talk to Sister Julia Walsh, who I've known for several years through writing. It was really a great experience to delve into the conversation with you, Julia. And I know that you do a great job with all of your guests, but I think it was especially nice to just kind of think about all these connections between writing and teaching and activism that we share in common and that many of your audience members share as well. So congratulations and thanks again. Hey, it's Father Jim Martin. I'm a Jesuit priest and author. And I just wanted to say happy anniversary to Sister Julia on the 50th anniversary of her podcast, or at least the 50th podcast. So I guess I can say happy Jubilee. back over the past 49 episodes, you've covered a ton of topics. To your mind, what are some of the most profound aspects of the mess that you've covered? And have there been aha moments in there for you? Yeah, I learned so much from the people I get to interview. And some of them, the interviews and the conversations continue to influence my thoughts, my prayers, my actions, and the ways I show up to spaces. I know that when I interviewed Paul Engler, who's the community organizer and Catholic worker in Los Angeles, he was really impactful on me and my thoughts afterwards. He talked about what's required for a social movement to be effective. It was influencing me as I thought about the ways that I'm companioning people and and how I'm listening to them. Also, he kind of was challenging me to deepen my contemplative life. And that's not something that like a lot of the Christians in my life do. Like a lot of people don't really hold up that mirror to me and challenge me to grow and become more radical in my prayer or in my my activism or something. But that challenge meant a lot to me. And it, it was, yeah, it really kind of influenced and framed my thinking. There's certain stories that people have told me that I find my mind occasionally wandering to and, and musing on, meditating with. I think about when I interviewed Laura Kelly Finucci, and she told me the story of how she and her husband lost their child, or was it their twins, and how it ended up actually being this incredibly deep, graced, profound moment for she and her husband, and, and like this, this real spiritual experience of a, a type of enlightenment for them. 
and transformed their whole way of being a family and being, being a unit. So there was something about that where I just felt so touched to be like in that conversation and on that holy ground. I am aware of, of the privilege of having one-on-one conversations with who I think are some of the real spiritual teachers and greats. <laughs> There's air quotes on the greats, you know, <laughs> of, of our time. Speakers and writers and authors and, and teachers who, who are incredibly influential in, in the modern church such as Sister Helen Prejean and Father James Martin, the theologian and poet Padre Gotuma, and author John Sweeney or Father Adam Bucko. There's just several who are real thought leaders and have these profound prophetic voices in the things that they're saying and thinking about. And that I got to sit with them one-on-one and have these really deep, meaningful conversations and hear, hear their stories and learn from them is unbelievable. Like, why <laughs> did I get to be so lucky? <laughs> and how did this happen? I mean, again, each time it happens, or even someone says yes to the interview, I find myself sort of like in that, in that space of like, where as if my life were a, a mountain climb and I'm all of a sudden at this vantage where I just get to look around and take in the view and the beauty of like, wow, this is so cool. How did I get here? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what a lot of these encounters feel like to me. And I think in part, it's that sense of wonder that makes your interviews so compelling because you bring a genuine curiosity mm. and, and uh, marvel to those conversations. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, isn't everybody amazing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. I, I've always been of the mind that everybody has a story. Yeah. And e- even if you have no idea what that story is, you know, and as interviewers, it's it's left to us to find out what that story is. Mm-hmm. And and hopefully to share it with the people who need to hear it. Mm. You know, as you say that, Cherish, what's occurring to me is the launching of the podcast lined up around the same time as when I completed my training to be a spiritual director. Mm. And every now and then people send in comments and they say that I'm good at interviewing, which I find amusing because I've never taken a class on interviewing. I don't really know what I'm doing. However, when I was trained to be a spiritual director, I was trained to engage in that space of like real compassionate curiosity, which is a become a mantra for me in my life mm-hmm. of how do I just meet people where they are and ask them questions and invite them to explore whatever they want to explore with me and allowing them to go where they want to go in the conversation. And, and that is again, probably back to that like word of adventure for me. It, you know, it feels very playful and fun. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what's happening? Where are we going here? But it's also oftentimes feels more like being in holy ground or mm-hmm. like as if I'm on a pilgrimage. It's like we're going into a cathedral and we're sitting in a pew together and we're just taking it all in. It's mm-hmm. awesome. It is awesome. You cover some topics that are new to many people or may stretch their existing line of thought. Are there topics that you have yet to cover that you're really looking forward to diving down into? Oh, yeah. I hope to interview people that are involved in climate justice 
and people who are really radically protecting the earth and, and modeling for us how to care better for God's creation. I think that's really important. When I started off the podcast, I was envisioning that I would eventually interview someone who engages professionally or pastorally or regularly with each work of mercy and each work of justice. So I have not yet talked to anyone who feeds the hungry regularly besides my sister, who's (laughs) Ellen Walsh Roseman, who works as a food service director in Iowa, but, you know, but I'd love to talk to someone who runs a food bank or is, is a farmer or is running a soup kitchen or something like that. I'd love, love to explore more things about food and nutrition and what that means. I'd love to talk to someone who is giving drink to the thirsty, someone who's clothing the naked, someone who we've already talked to Deacon Pablo about visiting the prisoner. I'd like to talk to someone who's visiting the sick regularly, which is another work of mercy. I guess we did talk to nurses, Laura and Jason, but it would be also, I think, profound to hear what a chaplain has to say, because that's a different type of visiting the sick. There's also those types of activists that are, what I see are doing the works of justice of opposing injustices. So those who have engaged in plowshares movements, I don't know if you're aware of what those are, but I'm not, but tell us. Yeah. So there's some activists who they'll engage in in acts of civil disobedience in order to try to prevent war and militarism and the weapons trade. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I, I know of some sisters, for example, who in the United States have gone to where there's nuclear missiles and they have done a prayerful act uh, and that then causes a little destruction so that that weapon silo can't be functional. And those are the really bold and courageous and also kind of unnoticed, quiet and impactful things that people are doing in the name of Jesus. And I would like to amplify those voices and to shine a light upon those prophets of our time. Any favorite guests over the past 49 (laughs) episodes? Okay, it's I'm not gonna say anyone's my favorite. <laughs> no, I love everybody. However, I will tell you that when I interviewed my friend Bridget Alexander, who's the founder of Tumman House, well, Waking the Village in Sacramento, she and Blythe were the co-founders of Waking the Village in Sacramento, California, which is now this giant organization that's doing everything they can to help youth have the support thing and children have the support they need so that they can move from situations of homelessness and crisis to thriving as adults, right? And I've known Bridget for years and years. I, I worked with her when I was in the Jesuit Volunteer Corps before I entered religious life. And I know her as this extremely hardworking, dedicated person who just gives everything she can because it's the right thing to do, (laughs) no matter how much it costs her. And when I was talking to her about how to end homelessness today, and she was really expanding on how the reason why people are homeless is because, especially young adults, is because they don't have someone to help them through times that are hard. Mm -hmm. And it's really support systems and community that is the solution to homelessness. 
it felt like such a encouragement and a validation for me of in the work that I do, because, because as a vocation minister and as a person who's living in the fireplace community here in Chicago, what I'm committed to is also about building community and helping people to turn away from loneliness and isolation and to develop support systems so they can know that they're cared for and they can know who they can turn to in times of crisis because no one should ever be alone when they're in a crisis. That's actually healthy humanity, right? That's healthy. That community is like, that's the way God designed us to function. (laughs) Any other favorite guests that come to mind? You know, I'm blown away that I got to sit with Tessa Balecki, the former Carmelite mother, well, still a Car- the Carmelite mother, Mother Tessa, some people still call her. And we got to such a depth that was really profound in our conversation about the contemplative life and spiritual discipline, spiritual practices, mysticism. And it felt to me like one of those types of conversations and encounters where the best thing I can think of is is if I got to go like on a pilgrimage and like meet a guru and like sit at their feet, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, like, how did I get to do that? And I, I still think about what I learned from her in that conversation about discipline and the importance of discipline. You don't have to ask very many people to find people who will tell you that discipline is like one of my least favorite words <laughs> because yeah, I don't want to. She invited me to this growth in a really vulnerable way for me and And so I frequently re-listen to that conversation and it just feels like a simple way for me to gain a little nourishment and encouragement in this journey of messiness. What is really refreshing to me in this conversation is how honest you're being about what you've taken away from these programs yourself. I think so often those of us who are lay people put sisters on a pedestal, right? We assume that you've achieved some sort of grand knowledge and insights into the operations of the universe and all godly things. So the sense that... <laughs> Isn't it silly? It's all the sense that you are learning along with all of your listeners, I think is really powerful. Hmm. It makes it a safe space for everyone to come with vulnerability to these conversations. Mm. Maybe that's how we build up community Mm. and how we build up relationship is being vulnerable and human and with each other. That's the real nastiness of life. We frequently hear from listeners who are moved by episodes of Messy Jesus Business, who are grateful for the opportunity to explore the mess. Let's take a moment to hear from a few of them. I'm Hyunmin Park. I'm an economist working as a teaching fellow at the University of Chicago. I tune into Messy Jesus Business for inspiration and consolation. As a social scientist, I often find myself overwhelmed by the complexity of social problems and pessimistic about whether I can bring any small positive change in the world. 
Listening to the interviews makes me feel a little less lonely and a little more courageous. It helps me see myself in the bigger community of all these wonderful people who are struggling with the messiness of the world and who are working together to make the world a better place. Why am I enamored with Messy Jesus business? Oh my goodness. I discovered you guys early on in the pandemic. You became my faithful walking partner. My favorite episode, usually the last one. Somehow I wait for Thursdays and I can't wait to hear the newest person interviewed. They always push the envelope of my faith, my beliefs, of how I'm putting things into action in my own life. Sister Julia's laughter, her realness, helps me embrace my faith. I am proud to be a Catholic, so grateful for the part sisters have played in my life as they have throughout the history of the United States and the world, for heaven's sakes. I do love the short meditations at the end that make me stop and ponder even some more. Keep up the good work. I love this ministry and I'm always sending out episodes to my friends and saying, have you heard? It helps to let people know that our faith is radical and that we can really have messy Jesus business. Love you and thank you with all my heart. Hi, Sister Julia. This is friend and listener Liam Callanan wishing you and the mess a very happy 50th. Thank you for all the light and love and laughs on Messy Jesus Business. Happy 50. I'm Elizabeth Felicetti, rector of St. David's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia. I first tuned in to Messy Jesus Business to hear Heidi Haverkamp and loved her episode about being a part-time hermit. But the episode featuring Tessa Balecki was the most transformative for me. As a desert rat myself, I resonated with everything she said about desert spirituality and her description of mystic experiences as tapping, prayer as intimate sharing with friends, and healthy asceticism as actions that care for the body rather than harming it are making their way into my soul and will hopefully come out in future sermons. Thank you. What do you hope listeners take from your program? I think my relationship with Jesus so far in life has proven to me that when you're in a place of paradox, you are on holy ground. And it's in those spaces where there's these profound, holy seeming contradictions and we're living in this space of both and instead of either or and that's a really messy and hard space to be as a human but that I believe is that the God energy that's like inflamed in all of us as we we say yes to justice and mercy and love and community and relationship and (laughs) all the things that Jesus asks us to say yes to. Sister Julia, what does radical discipleship mean to you? Oh, (laughs) or 
Well, we're I, laughing because she asks all guests this question. Right. And now she has to answer it herself. Mm-hmm. To give our all to Jesus Christ and say yes to his bold invitation that we love God and neighbor and ourselves with our whole heart and soul and mind and body with all that we are is radical discipleship. And it requires a constant foolishness and a stripping down of ego and also of the shame and the shoulds and all the the other like messages that the common culture smothers us with. We have to like strip that all off every single day and just say yes to love and joy. And in a world where there's so much hurt and pain, it's radical discipleship to be faithful and joyful. Mm, yeah. To really love enemies, to love the jerks, that's tough stuff. And to believe in the goodness of everyone, like everyone actually, even if they don't believe in the goodness in themselves, is foolish and faithful. Sister Julia, what's messy about all of this? <laughs> yeah, no neat and tidy boxes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also for me, for me personally, what's messy about it is because I believe so much in the potential uh, and I believe so much in what God can do with us when we say yes over and over and over again, it means that my ambition and my desire and my dreams are bigger than my capacity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. And so I have to constantly rely on God to help me sort through and sift like, okay, today, is it more important that I take a walk and bring a card over to a neighbor who's sick or, um, you know, pay this bill (laughs) Mm. or, or is it, is, do I need to like clean up the dust bunnies under my desk or Mm. listen to my housemate who is um, going through a hard time? Like there's, that's the messiness is, is this how every moment requires a deep listening to what God is inviting us to do. Mm. And sometimes it's self-care. I just want to contribute that so that you can get up and do it again tomorrow. Yeah. The next day. Yeah. I go to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to get a root canal tomorrow. That's going to suck. Oh, good times. Good times. (laughs) Right. But it's self-care. It's on the list. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It is part of like, part of, you know, Jesus says, love yourself. Like that is right there in the gospel. So saying yes to this love of Jesus means also loving ourselves in the ways that God loves us. Mm -hmm. And I think that we are so hard on ourselves. And we, for some reason, love to color God as a God that is hard on us. But our God is endless love and mercy. And our God is so ready to just embrace us and hold us no matter how much we're hurting. So we don't have to try to be perfect. We get to just lean into God's love and let us 
let that transform us and help us to love ourselves better. Congratulations on your 50th episode of Messy Jesus Business Podcast. It's such a pleasure playing a some small role in this with you. <laughs> a giant role? Are you kidding me? Truly, it is a pleasure. Where can people find your work and connect with you? Ooh. Okay. Well, of course, they ought to start at MessyJesusBusiness.com. And if they really are curious about my story and growth, which apparently that's what this interview has been about, partly, they can go back to 2010 in the archives and see how horrible of a writer I used to be. <laughs> untrue, by the way. Untrue. <laughs> anyway, so so there's a lot of stuff out there that they can read. Um, and on that site, there's also a page that shows other places where my work's been published. And there's also a page that shows other places in the media where I've appeared. I enjoy Twitter. And on Twitter, I'm at Julia FSPA. I can't say I like Instagram or Facebook very much, but I'm also on those things. And so is Messy Jesus Business itself. Sister Julia Walsh, thank you so much for coming on the Messy Jesus Business (laughs) podcast today. (laughs) It's been a pleasure talking with you. And here's to 50 more episodes and beyond. Thank you, Cherish, for your partnership and all your hard work and help with this great project. So glad we get to do it together. Your dedication and skill means a lot. You're very kind. Thanks, Sister Julia. That's it for our 50th episode of Messy Jesus Business. Thanks for listening. We're taking time this summer to plan our next 50 shows. Look for new content in the fall of 2022. Messy Jesus Business is produced and hosted by me, Sister Julia Walsh, and edited by Cherish Bedzinski. You can find us online at MessyJesusBusiness.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you like what you heard, please be sure to mention our podcast to your friends and followers. And we'd love to have your support via Patreon. From the bottom of our hearts and the middle of the mess, thank you. Messy Jesus Business is produced in partnership with the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. You can learn more about our religious community and donate to our mission at www.fspa.org. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, and I'll catch up with you next time. Until then, peace and all good.